Welcome to the podcast edition of Dream Talk Radio. I'm your host, Anne Hill, and every week I explore topics related to dreams, sleep, health, culture, and consciousness. Dream Talk Radio airs every Thursday from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific Time on KOWS 107.3 FM in Occidental, California. And you can catch the live stream at www.kows.fm. Meanwhile, I hope you enjoy this edition of Dream Talk Radio. In the studio with me this morning are Tom Benthan, who is a graphics facilitator and works with many groups and organizations to help clarify and, and bring together visions, and Eileen Clegg, who is a visual journalist doing similar work. And so we're talking about uh, how people learn and how, how we can help people do their best and bring their best work to any given project, basically. So now when you work as a graphic facilitator, yeah. that that to me sounds like you go all over. Is that true? I or do, uh-huh. yeah. My, I, there was a survey somebody sent me a few years ago, and, and they asked about my commute. Mm-hmm. And my commute's either across the hall to my office or it's to the airport a lot of mm-hmm. the time. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Sonoma, that's not too far. No, it's, down, it's down a straight shot. The straight shot. Yeah. So tell me something about graphic facilitating. What? How do you conceive of of that? Um, wh- how you mean? What what is it that I actually do? How do you? Re- yeah. What? Well, what is it? How do you think about what you do? I mean, what? How well, the way I think about it is mostly facilitating is is to can break it down a little bit. Facilitating is working with groups yeah. to help them do a better job at whatever it is they're doing. And in my case, that's usually that they're thinking, planning, envisioning, dreaming in mm-hmm. a way. A, a lot of organizations don't use that language, but in right. a sense, that's what they're they're doing is they're tapping that part of themselves to say, what do you really want to become, achieve, or, mm-hmm. or change? Um, so I'm, I'm always working with groups that are doing some version of that yeah. or sh- information sharing in the interest of mm-hmm. being able to do that. And as on the facilitation side, um, the way I think about what I'm doing is I'm helping them with improving the process Mm -hmm. for being able to um, do that effectively, make sure that people are heard, get all the ideas out on the table, um, think through them, arrange them, see what's missing, those kinds of activities. Mm -hmm. Doing that kind of thinking... Um, is very challenging in general for humans if you have to hold it all in your head Mm -hmm. and you can't see any of it. Right. You have to remember it all because our memories are um, extremely finite. Mm -hmm. The classic story is the one from Bell Labs of how many digits could you hold in your mind, which determined how big a phone number would be. We don't have a 15-digit phone number because when they did the science on it nobody would be able to remember something like mm-hmm. that um so th- the idea really behind the graphic side of it is if you could display what people are talking about and display it in a useful way then all of a sudden we can see things mm-hmm. and we can start to compare and contrast and select visually not just by remembering everything that's been said in the last 15 minutes or hours something like mm-hmm. that and um, it's tremendously helpful. Yeah. So how how did you get into this line of work? I saw somebody working this way. I really? saw a guy named David Sibbett who oh. 
started a, an organization called the Grove Consultants, mm-hmm. which is, I think originally probably how we met one way or another mm-hmm. is through because we're it's kind of a web of you and Eileen, yeah, because it's a similar yeah. Uh, world and well it's the same world kind yeah of. and David had been doing this work for a long time and he facilitated a meeting I was a part of mm-hmm. and I was already doing facilitation work but I hadn't worked that way and um, I just kind of took my breath away I oh. thought you know I'd like to do that yeah. because it was so much more engaging to see everything that you were talking about yeah. um, kind of come to life while you were talking and thinking about it well, you know, in my experience with meetings, uh, that that really is a frustration, is that you have, some people have the big idea, some people are in the small tracks and the, and, the, and the feeder streams of this big idea, and there's nobody really, unless you have a very skilled facilitator, there's nobody really that's welcoming all of them in. And, and presenting, okay, this is this is the geography of where we are. Right. You know, this is a big, this is our shared vision, but some of us are, are right here in this aspect of it, and others are here. So how do we represent it? It's very difficult, I think, to hold that space for everybody in a meeting verbally, you know, yeah. as a facilitator. Yeah. yeah, and one of the things, is, as a facilitator, one of the things that you'll do is you'll acknowledge what people are saying, by both by making space for it, but often by um, repeating a portion of it or saying, mm-hmm. okay, so that's great. So what, what right. I'm hearing you say is, uh, which is a way of letting them know that their contribution was actually valued. Mm-hmm. As a graphic facilitator, lots of times that takes the form of writing down mm-hmm. what everybody says. I, it occurs to me that w- one of the things that I should point out, because we're in this, right now, for people that are listening, we're in this yeah. world that's completely oral, right? right? We're d- it's j- just hearing mm-hmm. the sounds of voices. Um, most facilitators do some kind of graphic capture. They'll usually work on flip charts, which are you mm-hmm. know, relatively small pages, and they'll fill one up and they'll turn it over, they'll post it somewhere and right. go on. What's um, significantly different about the way that Eileen or I work or a lot of other graphic facilitators is we work on a much bigger surface. Mm-hmm. So we roll out big sheets of paper that are usually four feet high by at least eight feet wide, maybe 12 or 16 feet wide, mm-hmm. and there'll be a big panel that gets filled up with the conversation um not just in words but in pictures and um i mean the intent of the display is to reflect the conversation back in a way that's going to be most useful for the the kind of thinking that the group's doing at that moment so when you're doing that i mean that's that's a tremendous skill set being able to turn around and and talk to people and sort of manage a conversation uh, or direct, or or you know, hold the space for the conversation, right. and then turn the other way and have this enormous mural that you're drawing on. Do you come in to a meeting with an idea, a visual idea of how this is going to be represented, or does it just is it just sort of spontaneous? Um, I I I come in really prepared for whatever the agenda is, uh-huh. the, the you know whatever agenda we've determined would yeah. be useful for the meeting. Um, sometimes that means that you have a very clear structure and an activity that you're going to work through and you can think about what visual format would work best to mm-hmm. hold that and to reflect it back to the group. Um, other times an activity is, it's kind of, you start with blank paper and you might have an idea where it would go. Mm-hmm. So you have a rough structure in mind and you might change it. And, mm-hmm. um, other times things will just change in, in, you yeah. kind of have to think in the moment. Think it right. I just thought of a good analogy that I use, which is improv. Yes. Where you have certain acts or 
in our case, landscapes and images, and you pull them out as appropriate. So we do have sort of a toolkit. Yeah, yeah, it makes mm -hmm. sense. Eileen, I see you drawing a little a little picture there. Is that something that's forming there on your little tablet? Yeah, I thought I'd do this actually with our conversation, which is turning the concepts into images. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, after this, we can post a graphic of the talk. Um, when you were talking about learning, it's yeah. all the different cognitive aspects of conversation. And with visuals, I think the way Tom was describing what happens in the room, it's dual coding mm -hmm. where you, th you get the auditory and, and the visual together then it sinks in as well as being a process um, facilitation. It's also helping people understand the content mm -hmm. and, and hold it in their minds and remember it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Uh, uh, you know, Jim Shannon, who is a practitioner that's based in Hawaii, will talk about kind of opening up more channels, which I think is a similar idea. I've heard him say, well, he'll go to the extent of going around and putting like a fragrant oil on the back of chairs to change the way that people are kind of experiencing things. Yeah. So he's opening up, you know, he's thinking about the opening up kind of the olfactory yeah, channel right. as well. Interesting. That, which, well, you know, I always think, well, and then you get somebody who's got a fragrant sensitivity or something and you've lost the meeting, but yeah. <laughs> he, he's bold and unafraid. <laughs> that is bold. That yeah. is very bold. <laughs> Sounds like something I might do. <clears throat> probably why I don't do that. Um, <laughs> you know, the other thing about opening channels, I, I, I've talked to Eileen about this before, is uh, sometimes when I'm at conferences or weekend workshop retreat things, wh what I'll do in the morning is, is ask people what they've dreamt the night before. Because often the stuff that's sort of underground in the organizational or the group structure comes out in people's dreams. So that was, and not as a graphic person myself, but those dreams are like images too. So it's interesting to me that you actually used the word dream in talking about the, the pictures that people, the stories that people are coming to any given meeting with. They right. really are sort of dreams. Yeah. Yeah, I would, it's a fine line between things that we classify mm. as dreams because they happened in our sleep right. and things that we wish for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or a daydream, I guess. Right. Yeah. So when, when you, so did you have something to say? Well, I was thinking about the word dream, which was a great word to use for this. Um, like dreams, visuals are metaphors. Mm -hmm. So they don't translate directly. They're much more in a gestalt. And that is a really alternative form of communication is through metaphor. Yeah. And um, that's what we try to do when we pull out our toolkit yeah. is to get a metaphor that matches the idea so yeah. people can really see a concept. Yeah, it's great. Uh, you are listening to Dream Talk Radio. Uh, in the studio with me this morning are Tom Benthan and Eileen Clegg. Also, I should mention, Tom, you've got a website, tombenthan.com. Right. And Eileen, you are at visualinsight.com. So dot net. Visualinsight.net. Thank mm -hmm. you. I will write that down. Um, so one of the, th the places that I wanted to go this morning was talking about all the cool new graphic technology out there. I mean, there is, um, I think you work with, you, you work with murals, right? So you're, you're actually there on paper, but then there's yeah. other tools that you use as well as a graphic facilitator. Right. Yeah. So working live with groups, most of the time I'll work on big sheets of paper, yeah. um, so I mean, it doesn't get any more analog than that. Right. Mm -hmm. It's paper and markers and maybe some chalk. Mm -hmm. And usually goes up on the wall or maybe on big foam core boards. Um, the, the reason for that, I think the reason that that still works really well, 
Um, I mean, partly because it's tactile, mm -hmm. and and if you're meeting face to face, there there can be real value in that. Mm -hmm. But the other reason is that you need a big enough space to be able to hold all the information in a place where people can see it. And um, the the one place where we haven't seen enormous improvement in the last what, you know twenty years or something like that is in screen size and and resolution. Uh -huh. It's better, right? People have larger monitors. Sure. But we're not seeing the um, kind of minority report, mm -hmm. you know, giant glass screen where you can we, we, right. we can do the kind of move things around with your hand and squeeze and expand. Right. What we don't have is a big, huge screen that also has high resolution. By uh -huh. High resolution, I mean really fine detail so you can see clearly what's there. When we get the big screens, everything gets kind of fuzzy right. and it works well if you're 40 feet back. But if you get up close, it, right. you can't get a lot of detail right. in there. And... Um, that's problematic when you're working live with groups because uh, you can't get that much information into the mm -hmm. space. Mm -hmm. And paper still works a lot better for that. The other thing about paper is you can move it around yeah. and it, um, you can put it someplace else in the room. And we don't have much screen technology that allows us to do that either. Mm -hmm. so the underlying principle is if you can't see it anymore, it effectively really goes away for you. Uh -huh. And you can bring it back. Right. But um, once you set it aside, it's like if you're working on a flip chart, you turn it over, all that information just became lost. Right. Most people experience this when you're, like if you're reading a book that has illustrations in it, maybe a text that has maps or diagrams or something like that, and the text is on one page and you have to turn the page to see the mm -hmm. diagram that goes mm -hmm. with it. And that's really hard to do because mm -hmm. you turn the page and you think, well, okay, here's the diagram. What was I supposed to look for? Right. You turn the page back and it says, look for this. And you go, okay, now what was on the diagram? You know, it takes a few flips of the page mm -hmm. often to just mm -hmm. orient yourself. If you can put those things side by side, it becomes really easy. Yeah. And so paper's just really good for that. It's such an interesting time for us, as you said, because we're trying to figure out how to migrate the kinetic exciting all on one page um the feeling of the big uh, picture and the content onto the web mm -hmm. now what tom was just describing you can do you can turn a wall into a screen and they demonstrated that at colab um a fellow nick klosky he's at sun microsystems just put together a mouse with something else and he could stand back and go and write on the wall with his hand wow. the, the way you would on your cintiq screen mm -hmm. and turn the wall into a board right so it's possible but we're not there yet that mm -hmm. it's feasible financially i think actually microsoft has something like that and it's like ten thousand dollars right yeah. but tom well one thing i'm so excited about tom doing and we're i'm lear on a learning curve with this is using a giant screen to animate and see as he's drawing and he has some of those on his website and they, we're seeing more and more of those on the web mm -hmm. where you really get that experience of seeing the drawing happen on the screen. Right. So, yeah. yeah. I'm really excited about your work with that, Tom. That's a very interesting technology. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I think, yeah, it's kind of exploding right now. It seems like it's all over the place. The, the thing that the general public probably saw first or early on were the UPS ads where they'd have somebody drawing on a whiteboard. You know, and so those, right. that yeah. was one kind of example. Right. Of, it's what we used to call a chalk talk. You know, mm -hmm. where you would talk about a professor or whoever's delivering a lecture or a mm -hmm. talk would talk about something they kind of draw along mm -hmm. as they're going. Um, what happened when I put my website together, the, the frustration I had was that um, 
people that do the kind of work that I do, mm-hmm. graphic recorders or, or graphic facilitators, um, when you finish a meeting, you've got the artifact of the big charts that you've done. Right. So we, for a long time, we've taken pictures of those, and mm-hmm. clients get those afterwards, and then they can go back and revisit a meeting. Right. But the the problem with that is it's an artifact, mm-hmm. right? It's the thing that's left over after you're done. And I think there was a lot of confusion. If, if people didn't know about the work, they would assume that that was the real purpose of it. Yeah. Because it's kind of unusual work. I mean, right. there's there aren't other examples of people that work visually with groups in a way to capture things mm-hmm. in the moment. For me, the real benefit, going back to what I was saying a few minutes ago, is that as you're talking, the the material or the ideas are getting displayed and you can think actively with them. So if there are three things that have been said, you can compare, contrast, uh, build on those, mm-hmm. but you can work actively with it. So it goes to what you were asking initially about learning. Uh-huh. I mean, we can think about learning as learning something that's already been established. Right. But what we do, I think, more is um, help people learning in the moment. Mm -hmm. So learning actively and discovering new things by sharing information with each other. I was just thinking an example would be right now when you said we help people with learning. Mm -hmm. I've got a picture of a face and a head, and then it's also pointing to... Um, your description about the books after a meeting and how those don't really capture everything. So you just had a really interesting thought. I was making a graphic while you were talking. Now, if somebody looked at my graphic afterwards, it might make a little bit of sense. But if your voice was happening simultaneous, if our listening audience right now Mm -hmm. could see this drawing, it would have much more meaning. Mm-hmm. So it's the simultaneous experience that we're trying, we're beginning to be able to recreate now instead of just giving them photos afterwards. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. A- and then they might be able to say, okay, well, if I see that, then I'm also, that also prompts me to think about and to call in or to, you know, whatever <laughs> it might be. Um, yeah. So, so what I did with the website when I built that was I wanted to have a way to show people what the work is like, Mm -hmm. which meant that they had to see things appear as I was talking about them. They had to watch the process of it, not just see the thing that resulted afterwards. Because prior to that, all I was seeing on people's sites was examples of charts that they had done for people, Mm -hmm. which were pretty, but they don't help you understand what the work is. Right. They're not Mm -hmm. living in a certain way. Mm. No. And they were, in my mind, they were reinforcing the idea that that was what it was really all about. Uh Uh-huh. You know, the, right. the purpose of the stenographer was to create the minutes. Right. Not, which is, uh, you know, another analog to mm-hmm. how people would think about, well, what is it you do? Mm-hmm. You know, well, it's kind of like taking minutes in a meeting. Yeah. But it's not really because it, with minutes, you can't see it in the moment. You can't say, I don't think that's quite right. Could you mm-hmm. change it? And you don't build on it. You just mm-hmm. read it the next time around and say, right. oh, yeah, that's what we did. So, so it's a really different thing. So what I wanted to do is create something where you could see the drawing happening it was reinforcing the ideas that I was talking about mm-hmm. or the, what, the information that I was describing um, so that you could have some kind of visceral experience right. and, and visual experience of what that actually was like. Um, I think it's important to show people instead of to just tell them. And that comes across really well on your website. I mean, as you're talking, Thank I was you. thinking, I, uh, TomBenton.com. It, but the one of the things, because I see a lot of different websites, and, and one of the things that has impressed me about yours is that there are visual representations of 
of the uh, nothing is is uh, privileged over another. There's blocks of text, and then there's blocks, which is a graphic that pulls up a bigger picture of the graphic. And then there's a there's a movie in the beginning that I mean, I guess movie is an inexact term at this point, but it's what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. You have the narration line, and while you're talking, there is the a picture is being drawn. Right uh, yeah. in front in, in the front and center on the web, which is a lovely number one. It's a lovely illustration of what you do, but number two, it really helps anchor the rest of the information on your site. So I really like the way graphics and uh, you know words and graphics are both on, there on the page. Yeah, and so what's exciting about the technology side of it is, um, while it's while I still think when you're working with small to medium large-ish size groups live mm-hmm. paper is just yeah. really great way to work but if you're working virtually or you're um, doing something on the web right. all of a sudden we've got tablets um, where you can Eileen mentioned that Cintiq I work on a yeah. Wacom makes a tablet that they call a Cintiq which is essentially a display that you can write on you know so that rather than writing someplace and seeing it on a on a screen this is a screen that you can just draw on and you see the display it's like writing on a glass piece of digital paper or something or like writing on one of those projectors Mm -hmm. the little uh pieces of yeah uh, you know the little yeah which we always love to do like you're doing the overhead projector the overhead projector (laughs) yeah so so that's how i work Uh and if i'm working virtually or if i'm doing a a more deliberate what i call like a graphic communication Uh piece for a client then that allows me to do kind of rough sketches and refine it all within the same drawing and send versions of it to them. So I was working with a client a couple of days ago and we were doing a web meeting and they had a lot of content that they wanted to um, uh, display that was uh, in text. Mm -hmm. So they were um, projecting that in the web meeting. But while we were talking about different things, I was doing little sketches and just emailing them to Mm -hmm, them. mm -hmm. So it was easier than toggling control back and forth on the meeting. But, you know, it was really easy to do little digital (laughs) sketches and just send them. And then they could post those and react to them. Mm -hmm. So for those kinds of purposes, it's just a a great great tool. So then... So what you're what I like what I like about this it sounds like it's not just okay here we have this four by eight mural from our meeting Tom is now going to animate it it sounds like it's a much more back and forth process over a greater period of time saying okay what are the elements of this that that need to that that need to stay dynamic within the organization that need to remain at the forefront not just this artifact i always think of the indiana jones movie you know where they store the ark in this crate and it's it's lost immediately in this warehouse you know an artifact right so it's not an artifact it's a living thing it's Mm -hmm. it's actually um it's a synthesis of everybody all the important things that the organization is working on Mm -hmm. so you is that a fair representation you think you sort of culling out what needs to stay alive in a certain sense and be worked on yeah well that's an aspect of the work i don't know that i, I in many cases what i'll do is i'll create a static graphic uh-huh. for that purpose it's kind of a map mm-hmm. of the journey i had or whatever the metaphor might be um but i i think what we're starting to see now is a possibility i don't know that it's been used that way mm-hmm. um as much but, but we're starting to see a lot of films um where there's a narrative and we're seeing drawing 
being done at the same time, usually sped up right. tremendously. Yes. So the RSA Animate um, series, um, I think is probably, I'm guessing that's what's gotten the most attention. Wouldn't mm-hmm. you think? Yeah, a lot of clients have been sending that with, the, I call them the, the arm, the yeah, hairy arm, because right. you can see the hand drawing. Um, yeah. But what you see are uh, the immediate images that they're talking about. If he was talking about slow, <coughs> he might draw a turtle, for example. Right. Or climb, um, getting somewhere, he might draw a mountain, and you just see the mountain, and you just see the turtle. Whereas what Tom and I do intentionally is show the big picture, as you were saying, Anne. You want to see the big ideas, put in the details, mm-hmm. show the uh, proportions, the proportions that uh, of the weight of of, right. of importance of each part of this conversation. So I think what Tom and I and, and I would like to improve upon, or another uh, add to this animation, is the ability to see not just the little part, but continually referring back to how that fits into the big picture. Mm-hmm. So while somebody's talking, you'd be able to see the part you're drawing right. but you'd also be able to see that that um mm. that frog was uh leaping to the top of the mountain where there was the idea that everybody was going after you know the, so that there would be that um big picture mm-hmm. and synthesis at the same time mm-hmm. yeah so i actually did a couple of the uh, films like that yes which i saw them yeah you're you definitely yeah and um i think at least one that you haven't seen yet because it's i can't disclose it because it was done for internal communications for a company but um i think what you can what i was able to do in that was you, you kind of have to come in close mm-hmm. to be able to get the detail mm-hmm. within a particular section um but if you have an overall structure that that detail belongs in you, mm-hmm. what I did in this one film was to kind of set the overall frame for it. And then we would zoom in and you would see a particular area get populated and we'd go to the next one. But then you can zoom back at the end and you've got all of the information there and you can see how it relates to everything else. Wow. Um, very, very cool. And then that's, you know, you could also do a hard copy of that. And once mm-hmm. you've seen the film, you've got a way to kind of hmm. take that away or posted or something so Mm -hmm. so i think it's actually marrying both of those Mm -hmm. ideas because when you're working in a film you do have to have some kind of narrative structure right um because you're seeing things emerge Mm -hmm. otherwise i think it would be probably disorienting yeah absolutely and i think what people like about what you're doing what rs animate does is that typically on the web right now if if you're listening to a podcast, you'll either see a static photo or what we call talking heads. The right. person's talking. And the animations uh, just enliven that intellectually so much more because the animation is giving your brain another way to think. And it's like I think I've said this to you before, this concept about the difference between words and images. And this one line that I like so much is that words capture ideas and images free them. That's bon- one of Bonnie DeVarco's mm. lines. So the images actually work on our brains differently and maybe in a more creative way. So whilst, this is back to your learning questions, mm-hmm. while somebody's talking, and that's analytical and, uh, in, you know, sort of what we call left brain. Mm-hmm. Somebody's drawing, and that's more synthetic. Um, it's more right brain, more creative. So to have an experience on the web of both of those happening at the same time gives the uh, observer just a much deeper experience. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I should say also for people that go and explore 
um, you know, go on YouTube and look yeah. for the RSA animate right. work. It's what they do usually. What I've seen from their work is they'll take kind of a lecture series and right. they'll edit down somebody's talk for key points, and then they'll have a film in hyperspeed of a, a guy drawing on a whiteboard mm-hmm. um, that accompanies the the um, talk. It, which is fascinating. It's wonderful to you see. You mean he can't really draw that fast? <laughs> well, that's, that's what I was going to say is that it's really different com- from the kind yeah. of work that we do when we're working live with groups. It's very different. And from it's life. also why, you know, in the films that I did on my website, for example, I didn't, I sped it up and not that much because yeah. I wanted the people to have some kind of experience of what it might yeah. be like to be in a meeting. The reason that it's at hyperspeed is because, um, Nobody can draw anywhere close That's to right. fast enough to That's keep right. up with a speaker who's actually being concise and is interesting, therefore, to yeah. listen to. But if you really speed it up, you still have the experience of seeing all this stuff emerge, right. which is really fun. Although at a certain point, it becomes, uh, at my, your brain kind of gets a little hyper because yeah. there's been all of these edits to the picture and different mo- motions right. into the in the figures in a in a snap you, you know you don't actually see it because it is sped up and and it's highly edited but it's very it's very entertaining at first then i started to get a little irritated by it right like i actually yeah, I think want there's something a fatigue factor. there was a little fatigue for me yeah. yeah i should say you are listening to dream talk radio uh here on cows and i am talking with tom benthan and eileen clegg both graphic recorders uh tom does graphic recording as well as facilitation in groups and eileen has been a journalist for many years and so brings her uh, journalistic skills to a visual visual medium. Uh, I am fascinated by how you create a movie from all of this stuff. So we've been talking, I want to get into the technology of it a little bit. So we've been talking about a Cintiq tablet, which uh, Wacom, I mean, I remember Wacom tablets, they were about three by four and you had a little pen that was attached to it and you could draw and it was sort of like a mouse, having a pen as a mouse, huge technological leap. They cost millions of dollars, (laughs) not really, but you know, they were, they were, they were highly prized for graphics designers and and very cool you know suddenly photoshop really took off Mm because you had much finer control what you're talking about the 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 latest iteration is the cintiq tablet which is actually a display right so it's as though you were writing on your computer screen yes so how do you i mean i can i can understand that and i've seen you can really tell on your site the difference between something that was originally done in pen or markers right. and something that you know you can have the the um the airbrushed that's that's pretty um, consistent, you know, mm-hmm. the consistent with it. So, right. okay, this is a, a, gr- a computer graphic. How do you jump from that to a, a movie? How do you put all the pieces together? Um, yeah, it's actually kind of simple. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you can use a drawing program. I usually mm-hmm. use one called Sketchbook Pro, mm-hmm. which um, a lot of people are getting familiar with because they have I, um, iPhone and iPad version so oh, you can kind of go oh, and finger paint cool. on that which is really fun my yeah. daughter um it's like kidding. after that a lot you know it's <laughs> like i can i use your ipad i want to draw something and um mm-hmm. but i mean you could use other yeah drawing or art programs as well mm-hmm. and um so that gives you the ability to use different you know pens pencils brush yeah. um kind of tools and different colors um uh, on the program and then um you can just use a screen capture program oh. so i use one that's called snap pro x okay um 
and that allows you to take either still shots or movies or films of what it is you're doing on screen. My guess is that the principal audience for that kind of tool um, initially has been people that are doing instructional stuff uh-huh. for computers. You know, so right. they could film themselves going, That's you know, how they click do over that. here and then come over here and do this. You know, <laughs> so tutorials. if you wanted to watch an instructional video for how to use software, the, that would help you right. create it. Um, but what I decided to mm. do is I thought, well, that's really cool because then I can just take movies of myself or take films of myself right. drawing. And um, so you can create film clips and then you just um, edit them in iMovie or mm-hmm. you know, Final Cut or whatever. Right. Wow, so out of a, an audio track, or you can do an audio track simultaneously. So when you get the, so I, I, I'm, I do a lot of screenshots for various things uh-huh. to send to people. So it sounds so the the screen capture is actually it just over time, right? It's the same type of idea, the screenshot, but yeah. it's actually it's it's capturing the entire movie of everything that moves around or changes, sure, it's or like, emerges yeah, from a it's drawing. Like your even your little point and shoot cameras yeah. or your phone. Right. These days, we'll take either a still shot or it'll take a movie, and so it's the same thing with screen same capture. Thing. But you're not—you don't have some kind of external device that's taking a picture right. of. Right. Um, for the films that I've done for clients, the reason that I've advocated for doing it that way is because you don't have the hand uh-huh. in front of it. You don't have a whiteboard. I can actually, you know, have a much wider variety of kind yeah. of choices in terms of the brush styles and the amount of color that we right. add and things like that. The other fun thing is that when you're working digitally as opposed to working live, you can work in layers. Yeah. So you can say, well, I want to work on an upper layer or lower layer. So mm-hmm. you were, you like the card that I did, for example, for Christmas. Yes. So it's fun because you can kind of play around with stuff. You know, yeah. You can, like what was, I had like stars in the sky or something like that. You could, you could create a way for those to emerge by right. um, painting some white stars on one layer that didn't have anything else on them. And then adding uh, the darkening sky behind it, uh-huh. and then the stars emerge. Right? I was you wondering how you, mm-hmm. how you made the. <gasps> There's stars there, and I hadn't seen yeah, them. Yeah, so the it's beginning. fun to do those kind yeah. of little yeah. things. You yeah, know? Um, I think one so great thing is that you you know you have the facilitation skill, how you got involved, and then the artistic skill. And I know because we worked together once, where actually I was facilitating. Remember, right. Boeing, yeah. and you were doing the work. So yeah. you're and a great artist, also. You have an interest, as Anne does, in the technical. So you can translate this artistic, uh, natural gift that you have into how that would work in, in a technology environment. Yeah. I, and well, that is, it is, might be unusual for people who do visuals. It might be. I think more and more people are, are kind of exploring this. But, mm-hmm. yeah, you might be right. Mm. So how do you how do you speed it up? You were saying that you sort of speed up because the the, the pace of talking is a little bit faster. Yeah, a lot faster than your ability <laughs> yeah. to draw. I mean, yeah. you could draw very simple things, and lots of times when we're working live with groups, the the level of drawing is it's relatively simple because mm-hmm. it's more important to keep up with the conversation. Mm-hmm. And we actually we ca- I mean we do draw, but there's a lot of text that gets captured. Yeah, because um, otherwise it gets a little hieroglyphic. Right. Right. You know, and people don't have the experience that what they said was actually captured. Mm-hmm. Just, right. You know, there's a picture, but um, the way you speed it up is use the um, film editing program. So even in oh. something simple like iMovie, like if I you're movie. a Mac user, um, you can go in and edit it and speed it up. Oh, I didn't know you could speed it. or 200 things. times or something like that. Gosh, those programs are so smart. They are, you know, it's really Jeez. fascinating. 
I mean, there's probably a way to do it on your iPhone, really, but I haven't tried to do that. It's so amazing. Yeah. And and you have younger kids, too. I, I mean, the whole, I mean, my kids played with kid pics on my Mac Plus or right. Mac Classic, mm-hmm. you, yeah. you know, the highly pixelated, but it was so much fun. They could stamp dinosaurs all over the page. Yeah. And now they've got these amazing, I mean, the Sketchbook Pro, I got to check it out, on a iPad whole new world it's like being it's like being at hogwarts i mean really honestly the the, the magical quality to what you can do yeah how do you see and, and it was interesting oh i should mention that we are on dream talk radio this morning talking about you know talking about bringing our dreams into some sort of format that we can share with others really is what this is about this is we're talking with uh tom benton who's a graphic facilitator and eileen clegg who's a visual journalist and both involved in bringing ideas, synthesizing ideas in groups to help clarify goals and help groups come together around a shared project. Um, so yeah. you know, and I would I, just to go back to your kind of question about learning yeah. in the beginning. I would say that essential to that is that they have to be able to learn from each other. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's very so, important. So mm-hmm. I think there's real time learning that right. has to happen. That takes place as um, you know people exchange ideas and create a bigger picture together right. I wanted to go back to in following up on that and something Anne said earlier yeah. um, just before you gave the station identification um, you were saying you know there's this emerging mm-hmm. um, trend of getting visuals on the web I think we might be today with visuals the way we were 20 years ago with text so we're saying you know how do we get the arc you know into the box and we were saying you know how do we get the document um something that everybody can write on well we've got that now we've got many you know apps where everybody can write together so it's the visuals just behind we have all the technology now that would enable us to do this indeed on the actual walls on an iphone at any scale having people work together, showing how it emerges. All that technology is there, but and uh, there have been a lot of innovations. But now there is a demand. I mean, Tom right. and I are both getting so many calls from the clients who always hired us to write on the walls saying, can you do animations like this right. now? And it's a zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. And so what I see, what, what we're seeing is that there's, there's a wave toward this now. And the, we're seeing just the beginning of it. And so we're trying to figure out you know, what is the highest and best use of this? Mm-hmm. Not just, you know, decorative addition or um, eye candy. What we really want to do is enhance people's experience on the web at a time when people are feeling pretty disintegrated a lot of times and alienated by mm-hmm. technology. How can we bring what for us warms the room, brings people thinking together, creates a creative environment how can we bring that to the web? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and another place for that is in virtual meetings, uh-huh. right? So right. the the and there again, if you're doing it live, it's not going to be won't have the finish of right. a, a detailed drawing that's created deliberately to enhance a, mm-hmm. a speech um, or a talk that somebody's giving. Although you could certainly do that in advance. It's just that takes. Preparation and editing and everything yeah. else. It's like any other kind of mm-hmm. um, performance. Mm-hmm. But um, the, the screen size resolution problem I was talking about, if you're working with live groups, isn't as pertinent when you're working virtually. Mm-hmm. Because you tend to have one person in front of a screen, and they can actually see quite a bit of information in yeah. front of them. 
because um, everything can be smaller. And so, there, you know, there's still a huge amount of potential there. I mm-hmm. don't, do, do you do very many virtual meetings? I like do web, a few. On WebEx? Yeah, that type of thing. Yeah, I have. Um, I'm still at that phase where the technology, where what I actually do in the technology don't quite meet. But mm-hmm. I think the technology is catching up, so yeah. I'm experimenting that. But I know the WebEx environment is one where... It's, I think Cisco bought them. Mm-hmm. And Cisco now has these big telepresence screens yes. that are, they're so amazing. Like one person's in um, China and the other person's in the U.S. and they say they can smell the hamburger across the, you know. Now that's just continent. strange. Yeah. <laughs> they have to get a better, a better metaphor there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let's think of something better, orange. But at any rate, it's so uh, alive yeah. that you really feel like you're in the same room. So with that technology emerging and what we do that will be amazing now we're on a little screen in webex we have a little corner of the screen Mm -hmm. so those of us who work with our arms you know wide Uh strokes it's it's difficult to get the same feeling in the small environment but the cintiq screen i think will help a lot with that too yes yeah yeah Mm -hmm. make it makes a lot easier to try to replicate that it's a different thing but Mm -hmm has enough of the same features how's it working for you on the virtual meetings are you getting comfortable i'm not doing a lot of them just because i um i have a lot of clients that are asking for them right now the ones that i have done um it's very useful Hmm. it takes a little while to get used to it Mm -hmm. because you have to get used to um the speed of you know you have to be familiar enough with the tools that you're using to be able to work pretty quickly Mm -hmm. but um but you know when i have had a chance to do it it's been a lot of fun you know it does it just it does seem like something that goes back and forth. The the tools being uh, evolving to the point where they can actually match what how we work, and our understanding of the tools coming to a point where we can use them. You know, it's like it's sort mm-hmm. of like okay, how much do I have to learn in order to use this, and how much does the technology have to improve in order for me to 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 it for it to be useful for me? Yeah, it's sort of this uh, you know chicken and egg kind of thing. I think it's really. Um, I mean, that touches back on the learning issue, too, because we're trying to to help organizations or help groups of whatever size work better together. Um, and there's really, I mean, we were talking, Eileen and I were talking the other day about the, the idea about uh, making government processes easier. And well, part of that is helping people figure out how to use their mouse and how to use the programs. And so there's, you know, every advance in technology creates this whole ripple effect of, Mm -hmm. okay, well, now this person in this visual meeting has to get accustomed to seeing a a representation of it and also talking and looking at their their notes in front of them. And so it's, we're, we're having to develop a lot more sophisticated processes for processing information and synthesizing it ourselves. It's a very, um, you know, it's very rich and complex, I think, the learning environments that we're able to create and make use of. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think what you're touching on brings up for me is that the kind of work that we do and the animations that uh, we're starting to do um, is kind of one subset, but there's a whole, there are other kind of very large fields where visualization is critical mm-hmm. to um, sorting through the amount of data yeah. that people are dealing with because you can't very effectively read your way 
right. through all of that. Oh, I have a story you'll love along yeah. that line. Um, O'Reilly Media, which is based here, is a leader in um, looking at, they're calling it big data. So both how data creates its own visual or how you develop visuals to, as you say, se make sense. So you've got the people parsing the data in the back end, then you've got the, um, the CEO or somebody has to make a decision and there's a disconnect um, between really representing the d uh, depth of that data. So th I was doing what we do, visual recording with my paper on the wall. Mm -hmm. And a couple of the young, uh, younger people especially came up and said, you know, I think that what she's doing might help us with the data. Ah. And it was that artistic aspect it's a, a little bit yeah. interpretive yes. that they felt might be helpful in making that conversion and conversation. So you're absolutely mm -hmm. right. I mean, sort of the big data overwhelm and what we do is coming together. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really sorry. I can't remember the guy's name, but there was an article in The Economist about a month ago mm. about a Swedish um, scientist who has um, developed tools for visualizing the movement of data over time. And huh. uh, he actually, he uh, essentially sold the software that he had developed to Google so that it would be more universally mm. applicable. Um, oh. but the Economist has some films of him, like he did a TED Talk. I can get you the information oh, okay. afterwards yeah. so you can post it with us. Um, and it's, I mean, he's very compelling on his own, but mm -hmm. the way that he's able to display simple data like bubble charts, yeah. what he'll do is he'll um, look at... Uh, he'll he'll take kind of annual snapshots mm -hmm. and then animate that data so you can see a 15 or 20 year progression and it's so different to see yeah. if you imagine seeing kind of a current state of where for him it was things like um, uh, uh, you know health status right. within countries or mm -hmm. um, economic status things like that or the, the relationship between right. the two you kind of watch the migration of countries from, um, you know, poor health and large mm -hmm. family size mm -hmm. to greater health and smaller family size over mm -hmm. the course of 15 or 20 years. And all of a sudden it tells you a story yeah. because mm -hmm. you can see where it's going. That You're not just looking at a snapshot of it. That is so Simple important. idea, but really powerful. Very powerful. Because part of what we need to do when we start to look at large amounts of information for us as people is to try to understand well, what are the patterns mm -hmm. and what do they mean mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well I mean when I was uh, training in education back in the 80s that was the big thing down at, I think you and I both went to UC Santa Cruz I right. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the education department down there is the big nut to crack in terms of, of math but also statistics was how do we get kids to think about big numbers you know, suddenly mm. there's all these big numbers around. There's kilotons and there's population growth that's not contained in our textbooks anymore. Mm. How do we, and now, you know, it's 20 years later, there's, I, I, that's so cool because you can have this chart and you have to have a background in statistics to really get the narrative out of it. Mm. Right. And so yeah. what you're saying is that there's ways to actually kind of animate that and create the narrative so that people can watch it and be able to understand the data that's in front of them. Right. Fascinating. Yeah, and it's uh, it's it's really interesting because it's a step beyond. I mean, Edward Tufte has done a huge amount of work at the intersection of graphics and statistics. Mm -hmm. How do we visualize information? How so do we do important. it in really compelling ways? Yeah. And in ways that are truthful. Right. Um, 
that help us understand more rather than obscure mm-hmm. what it is we're looking at. Um, but I haven't, se- I mean, maybe Tufty started to get into this, but I haven't seen him do anything with animation. And it's mm-hmm. very, the difference between a static image mm-hmm. that you can kind of pour over and read right. and the ability to see something evolve over time is really, um, it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. It opens up yeah. a, just a different possibility. Yeah. Well, the other the other sort of frontier in education at that point was how do we get people to be able to synthesize that information? Uh, y- you know, it's it's a lot different than okay, let's teach the classics. So everybody knows Plato. Okay, well, fine, everybody knows Plato, but how can they bring that kind of those concepts into the the present day so it's there's always been this sort of dynamic tension in education between right. having the background in enough things so that you you understand what's going on and then being able to synthesize that that's a whole di- that's much more of a visual type of learning yeah which and is what we cut art from the schools right well yeah but i mean so i i think you know when people talk about edu- mm-hmm. the education space in technology and innovation and so forth i think this is a very cool time i think it's sort of a confluence of a lot of really important strands one of them being this ability to animate mm-hmm. information mm-hmm. data yeah and it's interesting that idea of of how do you actually um, synthesize mm-hmm. or and I guess synthesizer, you could almost say repurpose, right? Yeah. I mean, if, what's the essential right. thing here? makes me think of a colleague of ours, um, Kurt Hanks. I don't know if you know Kurt. Mm-hmm. He wrote a book called Rapid Viz and a mm-hmm. um, number, of, number of other works like that. He's yeah. great. Uh, some really useful um, material. And he's got a concept that I think he developed. He calls relational learning. I'm trying to go back to this yeah. from memory, but but the gist of it as I recall is that he would ask people to um, take the thing that they're learning and try to derive a principle from it and then um, find that principle in use someplace else come up with a different example on Mm -hmm. it and draw Mm -hmm. a picture Mm -hmm. at the same time and then he found that the ability to kind of hold on to that learning was so greatly enhanced when they were both doing the abstraction and finding an analog and then also visualizing it, mm-hmm. that they were really, um, I guess probably because they were thinking about it different ways. Yeah, it's fascinating. And, and you know, there has been the narrative, too, that uh, the people used to read, and now nobody reads. They watch television or they're on their computers, and we're losing all of this capacity, to uh, this cognitive capacity. Uh, but I think that's actually kind of a false narrative. Because I think the the piece that people miss when when they're talking about that is the different ways that visuals help our memory. That was a piece that you had in on mm-hmm. your website. Is that visuals aid memory? And a lot of times when you read a book, who remembers? I mean, I'm the older I get, the less I remember. But right. if I have a good picture of it, if an internal picture of it, that's what I remember. Yeah, I think the Greeks knew that. <laughs> Because their um, goddess of memory, Numosyne, um, was the mother of the muses. Mm-hmm. So art, poetry, um, philosophy also were the muses, right. and they were the children of memory. So I think that probably ancient people who encoded information in you know, Islamic tilings, in um, you know, all kinds of symbols that we see around the world... Um, they were encoding knowledge visually. Mm-hmm. 
and we are, that's this project I have with Bonnie DeVarco um, called Shape of Thought, yeah. and we started publishing some of that, um, that there's an ancient visual story, and they weren't just pictures. Right. They were really capturing uh, knowledge and, and conveying it through the ages, and now we're looking at, I mean, it was popularized by Da Vinci Code, but, you know, this are really, there is sort of a code. Uh, mm-hmm. there, we really can uh, deconstruct a lot of those images and know what they were thinking. In fact, NASA's looking at this uh, the Antikythera device that was found as a mm-hmm. Babylonian star chart, and NASA's actually using it and learning from it. Hmm. So there, there is some ancient wisdom, and I, I feel like we're reviving that, that we've lost that in, in uh, the last, what, maybe 500 years, maybe since Gutenberg. Um, and we're kind of getting back to understanding the power of the visual instead mm-hmm. of, oh, comic books and cartoons were sort of Pasha, Pasha, but it's it is it's an alternative language. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that uh, I you know I'm I'm not sure whether it was Gutenberg or not, but I think that a, a civilization that uh, that values learning mm. is is really the key. You know, if there's a uh, um, so uh, I mean, you know, we can branch off. We can spend the next hour talking about policy, but I don't think we have that hour. <laughs> but this has been a great and very useful snapshot of what is uh, what's possible in the visual space. I, you know, I just think it's so interesting that I mean, you're talking about the Greeks and that oral tradition. You know, the Iliad was an oral poem. It wasn't written down until millennia probably after it was it was originated and the thing that people don't re- realize about the oral tradition is that it is a very visual tradition i think you're right about that eileen they in order to memorize an enormous epic poem you had to visualize each piece of that story and it was like visiting every time you told the story it was like revisiting a storehouse that contained all the tiles in the in the room were a different piece of that story or there was some visual component to the memory of that so so I feel um, encouraged by that in terms of our use of visuals now to be able to represent information uh, bring it to life, have people understand it and see how it relates to their lives in the current time. I have a question for you. Do you think that we're mourning the loss, for both of you, we're mourning the loss of reading and books because we're worried that we'll lose complexity of thinking and that maybe it's not the medium of the book, but as you're saying, we can have that complexity of thinking in different media. And that what we're really worried about when we worry about books is that where people won't be thinking deeply. But maybe, do you think we can, my question is, can we think deeply in the same way with visuals and, and, and auditory? I think it takes both. But I think at the root of it, it has to, we have to be a culture that values learning. Yeah. You know, that doesn't say, that doesn't stop at the surface, whether mm-hmm. it be a book or, or a picture. So I guess this isn't a direct answer to your question, but it's it's kind of riffing off of valuing learning. I th- part of what I think is really interesting when we look at the intersection of the web and visualization um, is that there are just a lot of people discovering how, what other people are doing and building on that. And you were said a little while ago whether it's the, the intersection of kind of the t- what the technology can do and how we can use it. Yeah. 
part of the question there is when and where will you discover that something exists and will you be prompted to do something with it? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really exciting mm-hmm. yeah. opportunity for us right now because a lot of people are trying a lot of different things. That's right. They're relatively easy to find um, or they're relatively easy maybe to bump into, mm-hmm. you know, rather than just that you went out and looked for them, right. but they, you know, they show up someplace. And, um, I mean, you said a little while ago that it's kind of like a uh, zeitgeist, you know, mm-hmm. that the, all of a sudden things kind of st- you yes. start to swirl and, um, there's the opportunity to try them out and to, um, you know, start to play with them and see what you can do. Cause a lot yeah. of this, I mean, it's very democratized. You yes. said what the Wacom tablets were insanely expensive and very small right. and you could draw on them and look at another screen. The kind of current version of that right. type of product costs about 69 bucks for yeah. them right now. <laughs> so, you know, it's a little bit of a barrier, but a not, not a really big one. Not a real big you can go one. buy one, plug it into That's your right. USB port and start drawing Yeah, and uh, get a screen capture to- tool and, you know, mm-hmm. make some films. It's a whole new world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you both so much. This has been a really fascinating conversation. I do wish we had more time, but I always do that. So um, we have been talking to Tom Benton, who is a a graphic facilitator uh, based in Sonoma, works with many organizations, really probably worldwide at this point. And uh, you can find his work at TomBenton.com. I highly recommend the website. All you people thinking about putting together a website, consider... uh, having visuals and words kind of, you know, giving them the same, um, the same presentation, similar, similar weight on a site. And we've also been, uh, talking with Eileen Clegg from visualinsight.net. Eileen is a visual journalist and all-around interesting thinker about things like graphics and learning and memory. So thank you both so much for being on Dream Talk Radio. It was very, really a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Anne. That ends this week's Dream Talk radio show podcast. Thanks for listening, and remember to tune in every Thursday from 9 to 10 a.m. at www.kows.fm. This is Anne Hill, and I'll see you again next week.